Welcome back to a, another live stream slash podcast of the USL show. Thank you guys for joining into the live stream how or the podcast, or if you're watching this back on YouTube, thank you so, so much for listening and watching along. I'm your host, Kaylor Hodges. And for the first time on the USL show, if you're listening to me, you'll hear him. But if you're watching to the guy below me, uh, Gio, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here finally for the first time. So for the people who haven't had a chance to meet you yet, uh, what's kind of your background in the USL landscape? Well, uh, I live in Greenville, South Carolina, so a big Greenville Triumph fan since um, the inaugural season that we've had. Um, and luckily I've been I've worked close with the team playing in FIFA tournaments for them. Um, so I've met a lot of friends, including you through that um, so i've been a fan ever since and uh i love talking about them and learning more about the league and you hopefully USL keeps growing and be part of that well it's great to finally have you on one of the episodes and to your right is a returning cast member uh mr allen not ryan allen but just allen <laughs> <laughs> how you doing Good, good. Uh, it's the new year, so happy new year to everybody. Uh, soccer's just around the corner in the United States, and right now England is going nuts with crazy scores and people beating people who probably shouldn't be beaten. Uh, but uh, just like to shout out Black Diamonds tonight. Uh, that's the shirt I'm rocking, the Black Supporter Group in New Mexico. So uh, shout out to them. And what up, Andy? You know, the the thing with Black Diamonds is – it's a wonderful cause, and I donated. But right now, after watching Nico Brett go to New Mexico, I don't know if I wanted to see that shirt right now, but it's okay. It's for a good cause. I'll forgive you. But to Allen's up, we go to the other Allen, Ryan Allen, the one I don't think was – were you here last time? No. So you are, this is your first appearance on the 2.0, 3.0, whatever point oh this is. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. I uh, hope everyone's had a pleasant start to the new year, but soccer is just around the corner with uh, a lot of tr player transactions, announcements, and preseason schedules sort of getting set for uh, the upcoming uh, February and March months. Well, without wasting any kind of time, there is a lot of news in the USL world. Um, there's a few things that happened today that, you know, we're kind of bombshells. And first one that sticks out to me is, yeah, Louisville loses their uh, loses their president for both racing and for the Louisville City side. It, for me, it was an absolute just blindsider. But uh, I want to kind of get your guys' opinion on this first. I want to start with you, Ryan. W what did – what does this kind of take you as? What do you think the next step forward is for for Louisville? I think it'll be interesting to see what Louisville does for their next, uh, I guess, next kind of phase of their existence with uh, racing having their next season. And Louisville City has already been set up as a very successful USL team. And as uh, they released in their uh, press release, uh, they said he wouldn't be Brad as the, is the uh, leader that is departing from Louisville's organization that he wouldn't be leaving the club if it wasn't already set up for a successful organization. And it was interesting that he's been with the club since its inception from playing at Louisville Slugger Field to now Lynn Family Stadium. And he's oversaw Louisville going to multiple USL champion or USL championship matches, many different Eastern Conference finals appearances. So It'll be an interesting path forward, especially with uh, James O'Connor or named on the interim basis. If he would eventually ha become the permanent leader or a uh, new president will be brought into the club. You know, Alan, this is, and now I could have everything really wrong here, but I do believe Orange County has gone through a couple leadership changes in the front office and within the last deck or five so years is that right i i know that they uh they rebranded with new uh, ownership uh from the blues to just oc 
Uh, and then just this recent season, you know, famously in the middle of the season, I shouldn't say famously, but uh, with uh, much consternation from some of the fan base, uh, firing a pretty beloved coach in the middle of the season when things weren't going so well. Um, this seems to be, you know, off-season stuff seems to be a little bit smoother in transition. You can, you know, take your time. Mid-season stuff, it's like you're, you gotta, you gotta build the plane in, in flight. Um, leadership changes are always difficult and, and a little bit rocky. People have their own idea of what is successful and not successful, and you know, you see this with, you know, in my in my perspective with with band directors and bands. You know, it, when the director leaves, sometimes things can fall apart. But if you got, if you set it up the right way to have leadership in place, uh, you really, if it's a good leader, you're setting up a lot of people to be successful underneath you and give them those leadership uh, abilities. So when you eventually do move on, uh, the, the team can continue successfully. And I think, you know, a team like Lou City, uh, Louisville, um, you would like to believe that they've done a really good job in the past about replacing uh, quality people uh, and bringing new people in who uh, take it maybe in a slightly different direction, but they're still successful. Uh, and with a, a team like, you know, Louisville, who's been one of the standard bears of the USL, uh, this kind of makes you hold your breath just a little bit because it does make you a little bit nervous. Uh, but with a, a team like that, you know that there's a lot of people in place who are there to pick up the, uh, pick up the slack. And I have no doubts Lou City is going to be just fine. Um, yeah, a leader is probably not going to leave unless he knows that things are going to be successful because then it's a little bit on his legacy when he leaves if something goes goes south. Gio, I know you know a ton of people over there in Louisville through you know EUSL and through other means. Does there seem to be like kind of a sense of panic or anything like that? Or is it? still kind of see my business as usual because that's just kind of louisville i think it'll be business as usual i don't know as much about them but from what i've seen the past few years they've been very successful um they've had a winning mentality uh, and they constantly just putting out good teams and i don't think that'll change i think they have a good path with the new stadium good group of players um so i think they'll just continue being as successful as they, as they always have been yeah, I mean, that probably, I think that all summed, you guys summed it up well that, you know, he's looking at other business endeavors. And like he said, he's not going to leave it unless he thinks it's going to be well, especially with how transparent he was with the, with the fans. I think that's one thing Louisville fans are, might not be used to with the next president, especially like right now being James O'Connor is that they had a very active president on social media and they ended up getting a lot of transparency and they might have to get used to more of a secretive front office, which they may not end up liking. Maybe their new president will be the same, but I think it may take some time to get used to. But moving on, you know, we're talking about going from, you know, success and long-term success, but you know, one team's trash is another team's treasure. Uh, the Las Vegas Lights head coach is now LAFC's coach. I know that they're the two team, but I, I don't know about this one. I I don't I don't even know who to start with. Who who has a take in here that makes me think that this is a good idea? Someone try to convince me that this is a good idea. I don't know if I'm going to convince you that's a good idea. Um, I don't know. I can. I mean, the, the team that Las Vegas was putting on the pitch, uh, they had some pretty decent players, uh, but they just kept getting called up to LAFC for injuries. Um, you got guys who were um, like Danny Chrysostomo from uh, previously experienced in Orange County. Um, I'm blanking on the guy they signed from Indy, who was a really good player that seemed to score a bunch of goals for them. Um so there's some good players, but those guys all ended up in LA at some point. Um, so he's familiar with the system. He's familiar with the program. He knows the players. Uh, maybe this was just a, they knew that this they wanted him in lights just to give him some experience to eventually hire him for LAFC. Uh, but Las Vegas is not the, um, the home of the perennial playoff contention teams 
Uh, I think uh, they had, I think two less losses than Loudon. I think Loudon had 25 Vegas at 23. Um, ugh, it was rough. I know he maybe he tried to do what was best and it ended up being kind of just not great squad depth and players, but you would like to think that a, a good coach could get some uh, average results out of a team like Las Vegas, uh, looking at like what Eric Winalda did, but yeah, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't anything there um, that would be like, yeah, he's going to be the guy. Um, but I think, you know, it's hard to compare a team like LAFC to, I mean, Las Vegas lights uh, to a typical USL team. Um, Cause I think there were just a lot of young dudes that are trying to develop and maybe there's a good coach in there and maybe with some really, with some good players, you can institute a system that is successful I know there were some question marks on the Twitterverse about this hire as well. Uh, but, I mean, if USL, uh, one of their uh, deals is to move players up into, you know, Division One or off to Europe, um, I think that's the point of USL for coaching staffs as well. Uh, you know, bringing guys up from USL 1 into championship with some experience and then moving them on into different jobs. Um you know, there's a guy who's really well respected in San Diego that did that recently. Um, so you, you gotta want to give him a chance, and hopefully he he proves himself as saying, "Hey, there are USL coaches who can be good MLS coaches." But there's a list of names that you would probably have gone through of USL coaches who should get a shot in MLS um, before Chirondolo. Um Uh, Geo, because. And not anymore, but because League One is just riddled with, you know, two teams. It's even kind of hard to compare the your two teams with with Las Vegas Lights. I mean, the lights were awful. The closest you can kind of compare is Fort Lauderdale. Could you imagine Fort Lauderdale's manager getting a promotion to MLS or even the championship? I mean, this just seems a little uncalled for, right? No, I don't think I can change your mind about this. Um, <laughs> as as much as I respect Ford Mount Madison and people joke about their kits and whatnot, Las Vegas just seems to be on a whole nother level with <laughs> gimmicks and stuff like that. From what I've seen in the past, uh, I've I know Eric Winaldo was there, and uh, he wasn't very successful. Um, I do like Steve Trundolo. Uh, I liked him on the national team, and I was I was excited for him to be coaching in Germany with Hanover. Um, so seeing him failing in Las Vegas and then going to LAFC, um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be good for them after having Bob Bradley, who was experienced all around, had success everywhere. Uh, you know, it might they're just taking a shot, and they'll see if it works. But in MLS, you know. Come six months, he he might not still be there. You know, Timothy put a comment, and we can see it on the screen. And I want to toss that over to you, Ryan. Do you think this last season was a coaching issue, or was it just the players that the lights were given, and that was the point of failure? Because if you look at their roster, they had some guys on there that have been perennial USL, real USL talents like Cal Jennings and I think uh, Deckel Canine were all on that team. And those are just, those are some guy guys and they still weren't winning. Yeah. And I had saw uh, one Las Vegas match that I actually personally attended. It was actually a rare victory for the club from this past year, but they made it clear from the start that these would be LAFC players that are just playing under the Las Vegas lights banner. And that uh, their focus was solely on development. And it's, I, I think that's just, it really depends down to coaching thing is the difference maker that you could be a team focused solely on development, but still be a very competitive side. In a case in point, we've seen a Swill Park Rangers team make the USL final. We've seen New York Red Bulls too win the entire league. So the Monarchs as well. Monarchs have done it as well. So it's really down to just the philosophy of the team wants to approach with it. And coaching is the big difference maker. What uh, makes it nervous for uh, 
Toronto uh, getting up to LAFC was that it's that's a very high pressure job within MLS that Bradley was sacked for basically this is the first time they've missed the playoffs in team history. Bradley was then subsequently hired at Toronto FC, who is signing a particular Italian player who could be very good for that team. But I'm whether it's them wanting to promote from within, which MLS teams have done before in the past, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this hire for this season, if they give them the year, or if it looks like dire straits, do they press the panic button again? Yep. I mean, I don't know. This is just a... I think this. I think it was you, Alan, that said, yeah, maybe this was just their guy from the beginning, and they were already getting him ready to coach, and they maybe they knew that Bradley was going to be out anyway, and so they just wanted to give him some coaching experience and get him used to the players, and then just call him up. Um, at I don't know. It just it still feels like a strange move, but only time will tell. But you know, I have no real transition for the next one, but well, maybe we can. Speaking of two teams, we're going to the USL League One. Haha, <laughs> there it is, transition. Um, not really. We're actually going to a real USL League One team. We're going to be talking about the Greenville Triumph just a little bit. One of their really great players from this season, uh, Andrew Booth, signed with the Charleston Battery today. And this was just one of those moments that it was kind of really cool that a League One player goes up to the championship. I feel like we see League Two to the championship a lot because that's kind of like where most of the college kids are before they graduate. But I feel like we don't see League One to championship a ton. So for the Pittsburgh Pir- or Pirates, that's not the team. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh, ah, the Charleston Battery. I'm tired. Um, the Charleston battery for those fans, what can I expect out of Booth? Well, I loved Andrew Booth. I I thought he was a great player for us. Um little uh during the team awards at the end of the season, he won the award for um player that would most likely take home to their mom. So they, they <laughs> definitely they got a good guy. He's a really nice guy, and he's great on the field. He plays hard. Um, he played a lot of minutes, and he was the heart of our team when we had a lot of injuries this season. So it's sad to see him go, and just knowing that he can get more, can, hopefully he can get some playing time, but just the idea of him getting better, uh, it's just exciting for a young player who came out of college to play with us here in Greenville and to have this opportunity, and he's one of the few players that are making this move. We had Kevin Politz go to Hartford uh, after our first season. So, um, Sammy Gaduri ended up playing for Miami after he left us for a little while. So we, Greenville Triumph has brought players to the next level, which is exciting to see because then other other talent might be might want to come play with Greenville and knowing that they can make that move. So it's exciting to see him. And Charleston had a really good midfielder who's only going to get better. So what kind of role did he play? Was he was he more of your pass first? Was he kind of a, a hold up play? Was he a defensive? Like kind of kind of break it down. Like what what sort of role did he play in that Greenville uh attack or and defense really? He was just like a perfect example of box to box. He uh I was looking at some of his stats earlier, um, some of the highlights that they had Carlson had put up and he didn't he wasn't always on the score sheet. Um I've seen him score a few goals, but he's always involved in the play. He's always getting that hockey assist um, or so. And uh, he plays hard. He's always fit. He goes, runs full 90. Uh, that man has legs bigger than my whole body. <laughs> seeing him in person. And uh, so, so he's an exciting player. You know, he can, um, the one thing that he, that I would love to see him get better at is taking better shots. Um, he took a lot. He took a lot of shots that just weren't high percentage shots. Um, but if he can get better at that, he's going to be a very dangerous player that plays hard defensively, offensively. So it'll be exciting to see him and what he does. Yeah, I mean, I'm super stoked to see him. And whenever I went to the Greenville match this summer, 
I was very impressed by him. There was a lot of impressive players, but he was one of the guys that I just could not stop watching. And no kidding about like his legs just being <laughs> mammoth. I mean, what a what a beast of an athlete. Um, another team that's kind of been taking at least my eye by storm, even though it makes me cry, is New Mexico. Um, yeah, Alan, you're wearing this. You're wearing the shirt. Just break my heart, why don't you? Well, I mean, it's 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 one of those teams where New Mexico came in, was really exciting. Uh, they played a really fun brand of soccer. They gave up a lot of goals, uh, but it was really fun to watch. Um, I know New Mexico was really bought into that team. Uh, the ticket sales were proof of that, uh, but never quite had that success on the pitch that they wanted. Um outside of that open cup, that really famous open cup run that kind of almost like they tank their season and they've yet to recover. Um, but I think this just shows that New Mexico really is uh, a team to take seriously. Uh, they're not just kind of this golden child that had some cool kits and that's about it. And, uh, you know, I think this shows that they're kind of serious. I think um, this is going to be another interesting year with going back to the conferences as opposed to um, you know, the divisions, I think it makes it even more competitive and you need to build a team that can win throughout off, over the course of the season to set you up for the playoffs. Uh, and what New Mexico is doing is uh, essentially taking a, a page from their rival in Phoenix and we're going to try to find the best players that we can possibly sign and sign them and uh, put together a, a really good roster. I know Miami FC is, is seeming like they're trying to do that same thing. Um, and, and trying to make some noise in the offseason. It just makes it a little bit more exciting and more interesting going into the season, knowing that there are quite a few teams out there who are loading up and be like, hey, we're going to go head-to-head, and we're going to make this Western Conference a, a fun one to watch, um, and, and it's going to be competitive. I think it increases some rivalries. Um, I, I think it makes for some really interesting off-field uh, conversations. Um but the downside is, like, you know, we John can do a great job of talking about what their stats look like, but it really boils down to team chemistry. And when you're bringing all these guys over, um, sometimes you have to worry about that team chemistry, um, not to pull a, a Premier League reference, um, but, you know, you saw what Man City did when they first reloaded up, and it really wasn't successful because they just tried to spend their way up. Eventually worked out, obviously. I mean, I, I guess. I, I'm not sure. Um but it's nice to see that they're trying to find those pieces. Um, you just wonder with a large turnover uh, if team chemistry is going to click right away. Uh, but the guys they're bringing in are are good quality guys who should be able to to get over that hump uh, and and kind of make New Mexico a really fun team to watch uh, yet again for neutrals. Ryan, am I crazy for thinking that New Mexico, with all the signings that they made, are already just at least Western conference contenders because on paper, they look insane. It's certainly an improvement. I do believe New Mexico who should be within the top four of the conference. It's top seven who make the playoffs this year within each conference. But I still think it's one of those that we need to see the proof within what they're doing. Like Alan had mentioned that you can make all of these good signings, but it's still, you need to show proof within each of their of these signings going forward that they can indeed need play alongside each other and gel together to show it going forward, especially when you have the likes of Phoenix and orange County as the league champions who have played together, who do have these core talents set around each, each other, that it's really tough to dethrone those good teams that we've seen within this league, especially USL season by season, you see those good teams stick together much longer. Whereas in MLS, it's almost like an NFL style, any team on any Sunday. Yeah. You know, we kind of saw this with Legion last year where they kept buying. Basically it was like, Oh, Pittsburgh said that one of their players was good. We better snatch them up. You know, that's what they would Ryan James and Nico bread. And then they end up getting junior Flemings and then Ben Ofemu and then so on and so forth. Lots of players that were really, really good. But, man, it took the Legion forever to gel. And I kind of see what you're saying with that, that a lot of the teams that are good in the USL have lots of chemistry with very few 
moving parts. If that makes sense, you know, lots of chemistry, add in a great player here and there. So I mean, I, I see that for sure. I think the, the other wrinkle in this to kind of loop back in league one is you've seen some of these guys be able to make this leap up to league one and really kind of be that missing piece that maybe it isn't, it isn't that star striker from another USL championship franchise. It's that young golden boot winner. And we saw this with Ronald Thomas in orange County, like the teams that are kind of looking all over the place and not just side to side, but up and down, I, I think are, if you can find that diamond in the rough, um, you're into a whole new world of successful soccer. Um, and I think there's, there's probably a couple of those guys in league one, uh, from last season, there's probably going to be another couple from this current season that championship teams are going to take a chance on. And it's exciting to see both the movement around and, and guys getting paid, uh, but also that that up and down movement where League One is proving that, that we can develop players in that system uh, that will move up to the championship and still be uh, successful. And in this case, like an M- playoff MVP caliber player from League One into the championship. You know, Russell brings up a point in the chat about the uh, passing the stadium. Um, I wonder with the stadium comment now that they didn't pass with that. I wonder if that's where the extra money is coming from to sign all these players. You know, because last year they were fine, but it didn't feel like they had signed a lot of big players and i wonder if their lack of signings were to save money for this new facility and now that they don't have it they're like screw it we saved it all we're we're buying a championship i mean is that is that just lunatic talk or is there something to that i mean it's what happened in san diego san diego padres had a really, really good season and it built them a downtown stadium and then they weren't really successful afterwards. Uh, so maybe that's, maybe that is the the way that they're trying to go is if we can create this buzz around the team and a championship soccer franchise, especially in New Mexico where there's not a ton of professional sports to really get behind. If we can galvanize the community behind this team uh, again, like we had at the very beginning, we might be able to get over that hump and, and get a stadium built. Um, you know, I have my own personal political views on whether or not uh, local government should be funding stadiums, uh, but I don't live in New Mexico. And so I don't get to vote on those things in New Mexico. Uh, but I, I do think that is a very valid um, approach. We've seen this, uh, um, you know, when, when teams are successful, people get behind franchises and are willing to pay a, a little extra tax to get a stadium built for a team that brought so much fun and enjoyment uh, to their city. So I, I don't think it's actually a bad plan. If it's not, if it isn't their plan, it might be very soon that they're trying to to, to play that. But I, I don't think that's very far off. And it's following the same path that Louisville has done, that they've started playing in a baseball field and they had similar levels of success, uh, winning a league title to their name as well. And that led into the uh, really fantastic facility that they have today. And they would, even Louisville wasn't even the first USL team that had benefited of really great performance and play on the field that led into bigger and better things. We saw that within FC Cincinnati as well. So there is at least a path forward for other teams and a precedent set for New Mexico. You know, obviously the goal for any team is to make the playoffs and win a championship and New Mexico seems to be making the right step there. But speaking of playoffs, we have a lot a conversation about playoffs. And, you know, we I think we either said this on before the show started or we said at the very beginning, but USL League One's had like four different playoffs in three years of existence. Um, Geo, do you think the playoffs should change again? And if you if there are some changes you would like to make to it, what would it be? Because you guys have to travel everywhere. There is no Eastern or Western conference. It is just everybody, man, just absolute slaughter. We're going to rack up those miles and 
<laughs> we're going to go wherever. What changes do you think should be made, if any at all? Well, yeah, I've seen three different versions of playoffs uh, in my time watching League One. The first year, it was just one North Texas played against Forward Madison. North Texas won, and then we played against Lansing Ignite, rest in peace. Um, so we played that final Texas, and then the next season, uh, our famous or infamous uh, win for Greenville Triumph, it was just one versus two, um, and COVID happened, and we would have won anyways for anyone <laughs> watching. Um, uh, and then last year, you know, the first two teams had a bye, uh, and three played six or yeah yeah three play and and the lowest seed played against the highest seed um so we played a playoff game in greenville our first playoff game in greenville played a semifinal um and i believe that's the same uh that's the same exact uh playoff format we're going to do this year but once we have enough teams i really would love to have eastern and western conference now that we have a balanced schedule when we get more teams um because just it's a lot of travel for especially you know big the budget budget wise you know our teams are i know we have a bus that our players use uh, and i know that's a normal way but you know having to fly all these players out the game is going to be expensive and uh you know other professional teams that's always it's been an issue with mls even with the travel going all over the place um and we're the only league in the world because we're so big uh, having to deal with these issues. So for League One, especially with the budget, you know, it would help our team get more players and our budget to be better if we don't have to spend as much, as much traveling. If we can have Eastern, Western Conference, I still would love to have games against them uh, at least one time, just against an Omaha or North, Carlo North Colorado. But I would love it split up in that way so that we can cut down on the travel and have some real rivalries. Um, you know, our closest rival, we have Tormenta, it's four hours away. Uh, we're going to have Charlotte now, but, you know, it, it's that, and that, that'll be good. That'll be good travel. But our real rival is Omaha, and they're across the country, just about. And so it's, it's not a easy trip to make. So I think Eastern and Western, Eastern Western conferences, top four, once we get big enough, or, um, would be a good format for us in the long run. So I have a question just as a person who follows League One as closely as you do. I've seen a lot of fans in League One calling for two legs in the playoffs because, you know, because it's so far and everybody can't travel, none of the way fans can even think about showing up for most teams, you know, so it's not really, it's not like you can even get any kind of away support. Is that something even vi um, you know, financially viable for League One, or do you think maybe that could actually end up helping because both teams get a home game and that's more money coming into each team? Like, do you think that's something that could work out? I believe it could. Um, I would love to see that because I would love to see see the teams just fight it out. One, I don't know, and I don't know what the statistics are whether a home game is better. Uh, being the first game you play or the second game you play, you know, that's something to talk about as far as an advantage goes for a higher seed. But I think in our league that that would be very useful. It would be good for the fans. You know, I, I would love to see a two-legged final or semifinal, uh, even playing a final in a neutral site or, or having the top seed host it and doing the rest of the playoffs two legs, especially if it's, this Eastern Conference, because then people can travel if they want to, and then for the final, it can just be this bigger, bigger event. And uh, I'm I've never been a huge fan of away goals. That's something that uh, I've been just in watching the Champions League. Um, so if we can get something, if we can get past that, I think two legs would be wonderful for the league. Just more, a couple more games and more fans. Because um, in our three seasons, we've only had one playoff game, and we've been to three finals. You know, and, and so that, you know, you have to give an advantage somewhere and give the fans what they want, and that's more soccer. Just on the way goals, I spent 20 minutes one day trying to 
explain to my fiance how a team could lose, draw, and win in the same match. And after I got done explaining, she said, that's dumb and just left. And I was like, you know, that's fair. (laughs) Um, You can't argue. (laughs) But hey, the happiest moment of my soccer fandom happened because of away goals. What was that? I asked that night in Amsterdam for Tottenham. Uh, Okay, fair enough. Uh, You know, Ryan... You were talking about the about your playoff ideas in the Discord, and I thought they were really, really interesting. What would you do for the championship, or even maybe even League One if it's viable? I think what's still going to be on the front of everyone's mind here is that it needs to be just financially viable for these teams. Uh, like I was looking at a few other uh, leagues that have done two-legged finals in the past, or even looking at the CONCACAF Champions League that used to do two-legged finals up until 2019. And I think going all the way back to 2009 was the last time that we had something in the first leg. They had the second leg change the outcome entirely. So it was almost like they, they just like whatever was played in that first leg kind of just set the tone and and we've seen now within MLS that and in USL that they've gone to just single knockout games and it's admittedly driven a lot more uh, intensity for those games. You see teams not try to rest on their laurels and try and go forward and push to win those games because that's the only option. I also think it really cuts down on that travel and on that stress of the schedule, because if we kept it, say the top eight teams in each conference made the playoffs, and then you had to do two legged finals or two legged ties all the way through, that's adding on eight more games to the teams who make the final. And you'd have to set it up as like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday type scenario and do that continuously for four weeks. USL this year had already stressed that they're trying to get everything completed and well ahead of the, uh, the World Cup occurring in November, December this year. And just with all of the teams that were playing, I still feel like a single knockout tie, and especially for a single game final, is the way to go. You know, I was during maybe, maybe I'm just thinking outside the box, or maybe I'm just overthinking it, or whatever. I, for especially during COVID times, I wonder if two legs would be a good idea because if a game has to get canceled like Pittsburgh and Birmingham, which cost us a sold-out stadium and a lot of money, um, if it would have been a two-leg ordeal, if USL had said beforehand, if if there's a COVID outbreak, we'll just cut down the two legs to one leg and whichever team didn't have the outbreak gets the home game. I wonder, you know, I wonder if that's one of those things that a could keep both teams in line, but also still allows the game to happen. You know, that way both teams don't lose on a chance to continue in the playoffs and the USL still gets to put on the show, still gets to put on the game on ESPN. I I wonder if during now when it's still happening and we're seeing it with the NFL, granted this is a next year discussion and who knows where we will be a, from, a year from now, I wonder if that could be something that could be a positive for the USL. I'm also looking at it a step further of, are we wanting to encourage fans to travel long distances? Um, I know uh, talking to some Orange County fans, they were – um, having to put up, pay a pretty penny to travel after the Thanksgiving holiday, which is, you know, obviously it's not going to happen every year, but you're essentially asking fans to, uh, if you're a team that's not hosting the final, like within a week, purchase plane tickets and accommodations and all sorts of stuff, and that's not going to be cheap. Um, I think what my conversation started with is, um, you have what if you just started with a two-legged conference finals uh that way you eliminate a little bit of the we happen to get lucky and get through you have both fans uh both fans of both teams are getting a home playoff match in the in the conference finals 
Um, and then maybe even finding a neutral venue to host the final. So fans have time and resources to like save up to travel. I know that that, that is kind of a, if you're going to end up hosting it at your place, that is kind of a bummer. But if I know, hey, next year's final, we're just going to host in Louisville. And I know now I can start making those travel plans and buy like the Southwest getaway ticket instead of the last minute $400 more for the same flight. I think there's some things you can do to really make the final a an event for the league um, and, and drive more eyes to it and get more people there. Um, but I think um, you're you're having a schedule in the championship where you have out-of-conference games, and especially one of the conferences has one less team, so there's more out-of-conference or you're playing the same team a third time. You eliminate one one of those weeks, now you have a two-legged conference final. If you eliminate two of those weeks, now you have a uh, two-legged semifinal, a two-legged final, and a single final elimination. Like I'm not, I'm not sure about the final being two legs because I do think that that, you know, but if we really want to think about what's best for the fans uh, and what makes it more accessible to the fans, and having a final in their building, and I think this is the way to go. I think if you look at sports in general or soccer in general, people like the two-legged finals. So you get to celebrate your team regardless um, if they move on or not. You get a final in your building that you get to celebrate with your team. Um, yeah, there's probably some like, hey, the first game sets the tone. But, you know, as a Liverpool supporter, corner taken quickly doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like there's magic in some of those those second games. Um, there's that added drama of that second game of that team needing to get that extra goal. And they're going to go for it in a way that they wouldn't normally with a one-legged tie. Um Liga MX, I know, does it. Heck, even uh, major arena soccer league, indoor soccer team or indoor soccer league is going to two-legged finals or two-legged playoffs. I just think it's best for the fans. Um, and teams are guaranteed a home playoff game if they make it that far, and, which means they get to have something in their facility and make some money. Uh, or otherwise, you know, let's say Oakland wins three games in a row, they're paying to travel for three full games without any type of income. Uh, Birmingham losing out on their home game because of COVID. Like there are things that we're doing now that are detrimental to our teams and to our fans. Like Birmingham never got a chance to have that home playoff game that they deserved. Uh, I think just two legged, two legged finals or two legged playoffs. Um, you don't have to start the full. Like all eight teams get two legs. I think maybe you do a round of single elimination to get to those final four and those final four, then the final two of each conference can be two leg, but I'd like to see that it's a super easy change. It means knocking off a out of conference or in conference unbalanced schedule anyway. Um, and it makes it an attractive, uh, it makes it kind of more like a big boy league, I think. Um, Cause single elimination is fun, but I also think, you get some weird games where maybe the better team doesn't actually win because of a fluke goal. I mean, we've all watched soccer where the best team plays really, really well, but it ends one nil and they lose. Um, I, I think it balances it out. I think it gives good teams a chance to not get eliminated. And as much as I, uh, as, as I think a lot of people are happy when Phoenix gets eliminated, I think um, keeping Phoenix in the playoffs for one more game makes it a little bit more interesting and I think it it plays in their favor a little bit. Um, but then like an Oakland Roots gets a home playoff match. Like how cool would that have been to have Oakland host something? So I think there's some some wins and losses there. But I think overall, like if we can start with like a conference final being two legs or a conference semi, um, I, I think fans would enjoy it. Uh, fans who can't afford to travel get to see the, their team in the playoffs. So I know maybe even like geo might be able to really uh you know come to this as well and you know possibly ryan as well uh, considering where you live but the finals of the usl championship right now currently happen during rivalry 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 week in college football and for me in the southeast that is massive Right. And a lot of people are going to go see that or going to go watch that. And they may not have money 
to go to, you know, travel across the country after going to watch their favorite college sports team take on their biggest rival already. So maybe setting this up into two legs anyway, even not making it the final of two legs, pushes back the championship enough that it's not right there smack dab in the middle of that part of the season. You know, maybe maybe that's just something very, very small, but I feel like depending on who's in the finals, that could change a lot of the outcome and a lot of who gets to view it. I agree with that. I know Greenville, we, when football season is on, they try to avoid having Saturday games because Clemson is so close. And God forbid there's a Clemson and University of South Carolina game, then we can, as a Greenville, try and playoff game. It won't be a good outcome for us, unfortunately. Uh, We're just not on that level yet. Um, although I'll be there, my family would be there. You know, a big Clemson fan, um, so that 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 is an issue, especially being so close to such big schools. Uh, so. You know, kind of with what uh, Harry uh, said, change the schedule that fixes the problem. You know, maybe. But that creates, and this is a whole different conversation. This is a whole different conversation that we almost had before. But I don't know if any of you guys watched the the hockey match the day, the stadium, the stadium classic, the winter classic, I think is what it's called. But my man's beard was freezing mid-interview because it was so cold. And I mean, even if, I mean, if it's a minor schedule change just by a few just by a few weeks that's fine but a full switch causes completely different issues that we really don't a lot of countries don't have to deal with a lot of countries either have to deal with a really hot summer and a fine winter or a fine winter and a really hot summer that's what makes the u.s unique in this you know sphere it's such a large country that we get both um but yeah, I kind of why Andy said, you know, final to be set between the 10th and the 14th. That is still right. I mean, that's still right in the heart of, you know, football, unfortunately. And I know that for certain parts of the country, that doesn't matter as much. But I'm just thinking from my perspective, like, I know I would personally go watch the Legion over going to watch Alabama football. And I say this as I'm going to watch, you know, football in like the next week. But if I had the choice, I would rather go watch the Legion, you know, but I am the very small minority around here. And I recognize that. And I think that if you get it out of that part of the, that part of the season and maybe heck even put the finals during bowl season, you know, people will be more likely to go. The chances of your team making that bowl during that week is so small that I think maybe that might be the move. Just push it to bowl season. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? I think, I think you're, what? I think you're just going to run up to problems no matter where you move it, depending on where you move it. You know, you got your Northern teams are now, you know, you move it later. Now you're into hockey season. Uh, for some of your cold weather teams, uh, I mean in San Diego, we—I don't know what f- a football team is. I mean, it's, you have San Diego <laughs> State, but other than that, you have a good um, punter. Uh, yeah, apparently um, <laughs> we like kicking things around here. But I, I just think once you start legislating for different parts of the country, you're going to run into the same problem with you're uh, you're pulling the people who are into soccer slash football are already loving those niche sports especially USL league one level um, you might be pulling from a different audience. Like I'm not sure in certain parts of the country that, you know, a football fan and a football fan are the same people anyway, or at least they're more casual about one or the other. And if it's a regular season versus playoffs, you might be able to pull some people in to, Hey, we're in the playoffs. Be like, Oh, they'll perk up. You know, Hey, might this team successful enough to make it the playoffs versus I'm going to watch, 
you know, Alabama versus a directional state school. Like, I, I think if you start looking at all of those, the, the, that picture, I think you run into problems no matter where you move the schedule. I think this is the friendliest of those schedules because now you're not dealing with with NFL playoffs later in in the year, uh, which you know obviously that's kind of the king. Um, yeah, I, I just think keep it where it is for now until you can prove that it's going to be successful somewhere else. Um, we like uh, we like cold weather, I guess. I mean, we're scheduling a U.S. men's national team in in the t- frozen tundra. So clearly we're all right with playing cold weather soccer. Uh, I mean, the bet, one of the best goals, in the champions league this year was uh, Lewandowski in the snow with the orange ball. I, I mean, it is what it is. Um, even though I hate that term, uh, you know, Germany plays in the cold and they seem to be doing okay. Same thing with England. I think it can be done um, if you want to move it up or back, but I think right now it, it's, the most successful for USL because they get more eyes on them from this March to October window. One thing that I think maybe could help the USL is, I mean, they had this deal with ESPN, which was awesome. The fact that the finals were on ESPN, that was amazing. You know, leading up to the game, I, I, I wish that they could have pulled in other fans. If they would have sat there, if ESPN, right, and USL could have pushed it, they had the deal, they could have put a little bit of money in and pushed some, push something up the ladder and said, hey, for like t- f- five minutes on SportsCenter, you know, whatever, just talk about the USL finals and literally just mention, hey, you know, Randy Arozarena, the greatest like playoff baseball player ever. His brother is playing for the Rowdies. Isn't that cool? Or, hey, soccer fans, have you ever heard of the Rangers? You know, this is kind of like their team, but not really. You know, the, if they could have pulled from other fans, they could have pulled from other places to make it a little bit more relatable than oh, great, quote-unquote, and I hate this term, and it makes me very angry, quote-unquote, minor league soccer is on TV, which is kind of what it was advertised as. I think the USL would have been a lot more successful, and I know saying, oh, look, Randy Rosarena's brother's on TV, as opposed to just saying, you know, (laughs) the starting goalkeeper, you know, for – the Tampa Bay Rowdies is a Rosarena, a great goalkeeper in of itself. I know that sucks for him, but for the league itself, like, why would you not try to capitalize on that? I mean, just look at every advertisement for any team that played Phoenix when Didier Drogba was playing. It was Didier Drogba versus your local team. And so, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, because that's the way you kind of have to market it. Like, there are going to be people who are casual soccer fans who watch the premier league or watch, you know, La Liga who might not, who might know that name and be like, Oh, I get to watch that guy play. Okay. And you rope them in that way. I think there's ways you can get people in, you know, through marketing. I think for the other part of it, it's just personal conversations that we have and we invite people in and we say, you should check this out and bring them to a game and show them how exciting it is and how accessible it is. And the players are right there. And, you know, we, we, we see this, you know, time and time again with newer teams um, bringing people in and they do a good job versus some other teams that aren't out there in the communities. But you're right. I think there is some op, um, uh, <laughs> better where my Yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of that, right? Like you're going to a USL team game and there are Premier League kits all over the place and I get it. But like, hey, they're there spending money. So like I'll give them a hard time the second time I see them. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think there's some things that USL could still do to market the, the league a little bit better. But uh, the fact that you can watch ESP on ES, like the big ESPN, like I watched it on a plane because it was on ESPN. I think that there are things that they're doing well to get the game out there and in front of people's eyes. Um, and it was a heck of a game. I mean, sorry, Tampa Bay fans, but it was a pretty exciting game. There's some pretty good goals in that one. So uh, and the same thing with, you know, the League One championship it might not have gone the way people 
in Greenville wanted to go, but you're still <laughs> watching a, an exciting soccer match with some really young, talented players. And, and those things are always going to attract the people who want to watch good, good soccer. My favorite uh, where my insert unrelated team jersey was someone came to a Legion match wearing a Nashville FC shirt. Makes sense. They're kind of close. And I was like, oh, did you guys come last year? We you know when you were in the USL and you played us. And they were like, when did it's like they're like we were in the USL. And I was like, oh, my God. OK. <laughs> yeah, they're not Cincinnati fans, right? Because yeah. Cincinnati destroyed owned the usl so they would hey, know we crushed this league thank you very much if you're <laughs> going to make if you're going to make fun of us say it right <laughs> um i think what's interesting within the championship and we talk about marketing as well but uh like just i think the time slot that they, they decide to show these games is really fascinating because up to this point within USL, we've only had one game in the modern era that the final wasn't in east of the Mississippi River. That was when Sacramento hosted it in 2014. And we've seen in the past that USL has moved games around on scheduling, on uh, just location in the playoffs, just to make it more accessible for TV, more accessible for fans. One of the famous ones was in 2015 when Orange County was the number one seed, but had to give up home hosting rights to uh, Los Dos that year because LA Galaxy 2 just had a more accessible stadium that wasn't when it was played at five o'clock on, I think, a Saturday when that game was held. So I would be very curious if we had a season where, say, a San Diego makes the final and is hosting the final. Well, uh, how do they try and schedule that for timing? Do they try and make it more accessible for the hosting team on the West Coast, or do they try and make it more accessible for the Eastern Conference team that's Hosting, like we saw from this past League One season, the game was held at five o'clock for the Eastern and uh, time zone when Omaha was hosting it from the Central. I'm all about, and this is another college football thing, but I'm all about the USL going full on like Pac 12 after dark. Totally down for it. If is or like if the USL could get more games on ESPN just moving um just moving forward you know like Wednesday night Maction and it's also just the USL on another channel totally fine with that I think if the USL even if they're just weird time slots or even bad time slots for you know it would suck for fans sometimes but sometimes just getting the product in front of, in front of fans might just be enough I know when Legion were on uh, ESPN a couple of years or yeah, a year ago, you know, I was, I came into the bar I worked at the next day and people were like, Oh my God, we, we had no idea that that Birmingham had a team until we turned it on, uh, turned on ESPN. I'm like, yeah, that's why I wasn't at work yesterday. Like <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things that it, it reaches a small amount of people, but it gets enough. Um, and Andy, I think they moved the game to the NWSL match to Louisville just so it would not be at 9 a.m. Um, I think if I think the USL now that the NWSL did that, um, I think they would do they would either move the game to 9 p.m. Pacific, like you said. Or maybe they would just move the venues like Ryan says happened in the past just so they can avoid that because now there's real precedent to move the final. Um, it also helps that that Lynn Family Stadium is absolutely gorgeous even though it does have eyelashes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like you're the uh, 1970s and early 80s NBA where you're tape delaying your finals. So the fact that it's like live on TV is like a step up from that. Uh, but I, I think those are all those those are all problems held for another day. Yeah, NWSL was held at 12 p.m. in Louisville. So I don't think the time slot changed. I just think the location changed, which meant the time slot changed for the players. Yeah. Uh, it is the the downside of West Coast is uh, and versus the East Coast is those the times right? Premier League fans are miserable, but 
late night games are manageable. It's the only thing I don't like about going to the East Coast is like, wait, to wait up until like 10 o'clock for this game to start. This is lame. Uh, but, you know, I think that's the problem that you're going to always run into unless you find like a centralized location to host a final that's kind of in the middle of the country, you know. Um, but I don't think teams are going to want to sign up for that if they can host a final in their home with their home fans and, and make that money. So, you know, I think that one-off game held at a specific, you know, location is going to give it, there are always going to be problems with, with kickoff times, but I think fans are willing to be flexible for like a final versus just a random Saturday match. Sure. So Gio, um, you ended up going to Omaha, right? I didn't. I you did not. To, no, I did not. I wanted to, but uh, I had already gone to the U.S. national team game uh, recently, and I was actually that, that's one thing. Going back to two-legged finals, we had this plan to have the best weekend ever, going straight from Cincinnati to Chattanooga to go have more away fans than home fans at the Red Bull Stadium, but uh, we ended up getting the home games, so we had to rush an extra few hours home to make it in time for the tailgate, uh, to make it to Greenville, and I got to the game about 30 minutes before kickoff, uh, leaving early that morning so I can come get get ready and go to the game. Um, so that's still two-legged, two-legged semifinal would have been really fun with that. But um, yeah, the game was early in Omaha. Um, Thankfully, it was on a Saturday, but you know, if they had it on a Friday, that would have been tough for a lot of people. And it was on our local TV, so we could, we could watch on ESPN or uh, locally. Uh, so we're thankful for that. But um, you know, if we played against if we played against Toronto, uh, I know we had some noon games because their state their training facility didn't have lights, and if God forbid Tucson, we would have had a uh, USL at late at night, USL dark uh, final, uh, which would not be fun for us on the East Coast. I think we just need to get rid of time zones altogether. <laughs> there you have it. And there's the take of the day. Um, you mentioned, I forget who mentioned the NBA uh, taping. Do you, know who I re- do you know who I realized still tapes their stuff? This is a really random thing, but there is still one major or somewhat major event every year that's taped and is on tape delay. And that is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It is taped and it premieres at 4 p or 9 a.m. for everybody at every single time zone, which is really strange that they do that. But then there you have it. It still happens for some, I guess, for people who still watch on the West Coast. They don't have to get up early. It's still strange, though. It is very odd. But you know, we're we we talked a lot about a lot of things. I mean, you know, Louisville and that whole situation with their president um, stepping down, Brad Estes. You know. It did a wonderful job. Now Jock is taking over for the minute. Um, then we have uh, LAFC calling up a coach, not a player, um, for a coach that did not do well. But maybe they know something that we don't. Um, you know, we talked about players moving about, going up from League One, players uh, going to New Mexico. And then this, yeah, this long chat about the playoffs, you know, lots covered today. Um, thank you for joining us for the first time, Gio, and welcome to the USL show family. Uh, you have any uh, parting words for the folks at home? Thank you everybody for watching. Thank you guys. Uh, I was nervous all day about this. I was discussing <laughs> it all at work, uh, so, but I'm just excited to be here with you guys today. Today was a, it was a fun night. I look forward to getting to know you guys. Uh, have a big FIFA tournament coming up, so I'm excited to share all that with you guys. I know Orange County is in it, uh, but uh, it was an exciting day. So thank you guys for having me. Hey, Gio, they let me on, so you don't have to be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and to his right once again wearing the awesome black diamond shirt alan parting words uh it's a new year so new year new year new you uh i'm going to continue to advocate for uh mental health services uh therapy and seeing someone that can help you is a great thing uh i had to miss an orange and black soccer cast because i had my therapy appointment and so uh you're not alone there's someone always there to, to chat with uh if you need to hit someone up uh, my dms are open but mental health is a serious thing uh get it checked checked out talk to somebody get some help for sure um ryan with the beautiful probably one of my favorite uh for madison shirts uh what you got for us parting words just excited for a return of u.s soccer that should be a really exciting year and a, a just great season ahead of us and kaylor do you have any yeah. final thoughts you know, um, I'm excited to be going to Indianapolis in a couple of days uh, time. I'm not ready to get on a bus. That's going to suck, but it's okay. Um, it's good to see you guys, and it's great to talk USL. College football is great, but it doesn't have my heart like this, so. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody in the chat. I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to this or watched this later. Um, but yeah, that has been the USL show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, check out descriptions, follow everybody on Twitter and social media. And until next time, guys, see you later. <laughs>